0: Welcome to the Touchdown Wire Week 14 NFL Matchup Podcast. This is Doug Ferrar, editor of Touchdown Wire for USA Today, along with, uh, as always, Mark Schofield, our Five Tool guy. And Mark, before we get started, I just want to make everyone clear. Uh, everyone who knows if we're on the YouTube channel, this is the Total Landscaping T-shirt with Gritty on the Tractor, not the Four Seasons Hotel Philadelphia. So I know we're going to talk about the Eagles. This is my Philly special.
1: Yeah. Layers to that shirt. And I love how I feel like the world discovered Gritty at the start of November, mm-hmm. which is just fantastic because I think more people need to know about Gritty.
0: Gritty is eternal, Gritty is ubiquitous. He's just always there.
1: I mean, my favorite was somebody mocked something from the French Revolution, Liberté, Egalité, Gritty.
0: Yes.
1: And gritty leading like a charge with a flag. It was tremendous. It was so good.
0: Beautiful pinky up for that one okay so uh we got a lot to get to here uh (laughs) big week week 14 patriots at rams thursday night game well i'll talk about the super bowl 53 rematch and how things are different um but what really stood out to me and you're you're the patriots scholar um England's offense against the chargers was how multi-dimensional the run game in and you go back to 2018 second half of the season belichick's like screw it passing game isn't working um we're just gonna run it down your throat and that was more you know 12 personnel wham trap whatever a lot of man on man they just you know we're gonna take it to your ass and just deal with it this is because your quarterback is a bit more mobile now uh they're mixing in this stuff called go-go which uh jeff Howe, the athletic wrote about our buddy stephen ruiz at for the win is written about we're gonna write about because i'm just sort of get a coach pointed it out to me on uh, a dm couple days ago i'm like because sometimes things just whiz by your head when you're in season and i'm like whoa this is really interesting cardinals have run gogo a little bit so stay tuned for more on touchdown wire about that um as i said steven ruiz and jeff howell have both written about it so check those out um so they have gogo they have direct snaps to damian harris where cam will break the pocket run wide right pre-snap kind of a motion wildcat thing and this isn't jay cutler flinching at a you know, cornerback, this is Cam Newton. So that could be a thing. And I've never heard a quarterback more happy after a game in which he completed 12 of 19 passes for 69 yards and a touchdown than Cam was after that 45 to nothing win over the chargers. And he talked about, you know, the special teams and the defense, but he was so into the synchronized run game that that just lit him up. And the go-go stuff started at the high school level and, you know, worked up to college. And and you mentioned a Joe Gibbs quote from years ago before we started the podcast about how the NFL is a trickle-up league. Um, Newton's brother was running this. And then it, it sort of superimposed into the NFL as things tend to do. So that's interesting. But I just want to get your, your thoughts on where, before we get into the passing game, because that's, you know, but at this point, particular Patriots run game, I think we kind of went into the season thinking, well, they have Cam, it's Bill Belichick, it's Josh McDaniels, you might see things you've never seen before.
1: Yeah, and they've obviously taken that to another level. What's interesting about New England is they tend to do things like this when they have these West Coast type trips. I mean, Belichick's been at UCLA. Apparently he was doing squats yesterday in the weight room. Um, i got some people telling me about that. Coach Belichick doesn't skip leg day, so there's a lesson for everybody.
0: He and Troy Polamalu, 100% over their
1: leg days. I, I, I think what's interesting about where they are right now is we've always seen this this team philosophically adjust over the course of a season. I mean, the 2018 example is a brilliant one because they started that year five wide, spread you out. We're going to trust Brady to throw it 45 times a game. And by the end of the season, they were running it 45 times a game. And it was mostly man-to-man gap power behind James Devlin, some wham, some trap. Now they're doing a bunch of different stuff. There's more zone working its way into it, even though they are still foundationally a man-to-man blocking team up front. And this element of moving Cam to the outside, like you said, it's not Jake Cutler. It's not Mark Sanchez. It's a six- this is spreading
0: you out spreading your defense out against the run, which is a really interesting conceit.
1: The interesting thing as we think about tonight, though, is the Rams this year have been more than happy to show you a light box. Yeah. Because the Rams are so, they're uh, they forward-thinking organization. They want you to run the ball because they'd rather give up the occasional seven-yard run than the occasional twenty-five-yard completion. You know, I, I had Seth Kalin on my show yesterday. He told me that he's written about uh, this Rams defense at PFF this year. He's done a great job covering them, and so I'm interested.
0: Yeah, we need, did you get his?
1: Did you get his ultimate password? Ultimate password yeah. He's given me once a couple of times that haven't worked. I'm afraid he's using it to, like, get me, you know, arrested or something. I think what's going to be interesting tonight, does Brandon Staley stay with that and say, look, we're going to play our our 2 high looks and give up the run game against a team that's more than willing to give up the passing game? Like, I think –
0: just like, you want us to run the ball? Okay, we'll do that, like, 50 times for 300 yards and kick your ass.
1: Line to take those seven yard games because they'll get them more often than not given the way their run game is i i think this game might come down to which defense scores a touchdown like this is a very interesting game to me we're going to talk about golf in a second but this game might come down to which defense has a score
0: i'd put that on the rams
1: yeah probably
0: that, that because um this is not last year's new england defense jc jackson's playing his butt off i i think they're, they're they're better in the second half of the season i'm starting to look at you know First half, second half season splits. Um, Except for the Bears, good Lord. We'll talk about that in a minute.
1: They're interested about the Patriots. We saw this last week. They finally were able to marry coverage with pressure up front. Yep. And it wasn't wasn't like blitzes. Josh Uche and Chase Winovich have sort of developed some ability to win one-on-ones. Guy, Simon, and Butler were stunts on the inside. They would get pressure on Herbert. They would force him to throw a check down. And every time they did it, there were two guys ready for that receiver in the flat or underneath or on a shallow crosser or whatever it was. And so, usually, when they are able to get pressure, you've got somebody running free on a crosser against man coverage. They finally married the two last week, and that's a good sign for that defense.
0: On the other side of the wall, this Super Bowl, the, the 53 rematch brings back to me what was kind of a banner day in my awareness for about coverage switches. You know, you knew they happened, but. Or Albert Breer of SI sat down with Devin and Jason McCourty after the Super Bowl. And the first thing the McCourties mentioned was Sean McVay saying during the week that he was in Jared Goff's helmet until the 15 second mark, which it, when it had to cut off. And that was one of those things where you really don't want to say that. You just don't want to say that. Because what the Patriots did, as you will know, is they said, OK, we'll show him this until the game clock hits 15 or play clock hits 15. Then we'll show him something else. Goff's head exploded. I don't know if he's ever recovered from that. It was such a brilliant plan. It got Brian Flores the Dolphins gig because he's so brilliantly. It's like, wait for the trick. It's like the, you know, Braveheart with the sticks. Hold, hold, hold now with the blitzes. Um, you know, I, I don't know because I said this last week, and, you know, your thoughts. Goff is a slow reader, which makes him a slow processor, which makes him a slow mover. And they've got to stop running this damn seven-step play-action shit that's just getting them killed. They've they've got to shore some stuff up.
1: Yeah, and before 53, I wrote that the Patriots had a three-word job to do it. It was exploit the hesitation because Goff hesitates so much as a quarterback, and they did that. The biggest play of Super Bowl 53 – was the break break pass breakup by Jason McCourty where you had Brandon Cooks open on basically Yankee concept. He's on the post route. They nailed down on the cross ring cover four. Backside corner has to fill that. And golf waits. If
0: I McCourty ran like five thousand yards in two seconds.
1: Yeah. If Goff gets that out once he hits his drop depth that it was another deep drop in the pocket, this is a different it's a different Super Bowl. We might be talking about the Rams as Super Bowl champions. Yeah. But he and that plagues him to this day. The video I did on Goff struggling against cover two for Touchdown Wire against middle of the field open looks, so many of those examples, are Doug, are hesitating. And even last week in this redemption game for Jared Goff where he doesn't throw a pick, you know, McVay had gotten on him. One of the plays that I highlighted in the video I did on him, he's again hesitated. Like, he, it's a hesitation thing with him. And the Patriots have found ways to exploit that. Flores did it differently with Cover Zero blitzes. Two weeks ago, it was Robert Sala with Cover One stuff. So there-
0: cover, one, cover Zero and Cover One, you're starting to run out of numbers that you're good against.
1: Right. When you've struggled against Cover Four, that was the 2018 year where the Lions did it, and the Bears, and then. You know
0: ran a ton of quarters in the Super Bowl, didn't they? It was like that. Yeah.
1: The game play. No, that. Detroit did. That was what the Bears did. That was what the Eagles did. They started just running cover four, ignore the eye candy, play quarters, make him read it. You've got cover four, cover zero, cover one now is ways to confuse Jared Goff. I guess you hope they run cover three. I mean, I don't know. Like, maybe. yeah, maybe
0: some more numbers though. Uh, let's talk about good. Uh, this is not the same McVay offense. No. Um, more empty, more passing, not as beholden to 11 personnel as they were in 2018 per Sharp Football Stats, and thank you Warren for the personnel splits because no one else okay. has them, uh, unless you until until and unless you steal Seth's ultimate login, right? Uh, 200 snaps out of 12, 45 out of 13. Goff hasn't thrown a pick out of either of those personnel groups. Uh, maybe from what you've seen of Goff, explain to our audience who may not know what 12 and 13 personnel means, how McVeigh uses it more now. Maybe. Because you, you could have two tight ends on the field and still run empty, obviously. Um, what is the structure of their passing game right now?
1: Well, I mean, it's still where McVay likes to be. It's still a lot of stuff with wide zone and then play action off of that. Um, but there's also a lot of drop stuff too, like that, that seven-step drop that we talked about earlier. A lot of their 12 and 13 stuff, two tight ends, three tight ends, You know, it is structured off of play action for the most part. Because um, McVeigh's very good at using personnel. He's very good at dictating your defensive personnel and then attacking it. In 2018, when he was so heavy with 11, it was to set up Todd Gurley, not Jared Goff. It was yeah, to they get
0: 89 percent 11 personnel that year. Yeah, which was and, by far the most in the league.
1: And they ran the ball a ton out of it, and it was to get those light boxes that now the Rams are showing other teams when you know the other teams have the ball. Now. You run 12, you run 13, you get them into his as You're going to get a team this year, which might be four, two, five. Maybe it's a four, three. Maybe you get that three, four, four, three front. And then you throw against it. And, and you like guys like Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett matched up against linebackers and strong safeties. And so that's kind of how he's doing it. Well, it just comes back to golf and how much you trust golf. And is this a Jared Goff pumpkin game or not?
0: I don't ever trust Jared Goff.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's just it. Like,
0: um well i go before we move on to other games just the the slow reading thing um i think that's so important to bring up when you talk about what makes a quarterback anywhere from below average to average to good to great the extent to which you can read the field i mean if you can't do that if it takes you if the average is 1.5 seconds for you to see everything and you're at 1.8 i i just i i don't know how you do this
1: and look Jerry Goff is still one of the 32 best quarterbacks on the planet right there there's only a handful of people that could do this so but we're, what we're talking about here is the difference between Jared Goff being the guy that you win either with or because of like that's the difference and right now he's a guy that you just win with
0: he's yeah. never been the guy you win
1: because of the guy you win of. And if he's going to be that guy, he has to make up that difference with his mind. And we're deep into his career now. Like, we're not talking about like a young rookie quarterback. And so I don't know if he ever makes that leap. So he might ultimately just be a guy you win with, and you've got to scoop stuff up, and you've got to have a good defense. Otherwise, he'll never make that leap. And it's a big difference. 0.3 seconds might sound like, you know, nothing, like we're being nitpicky. When you're talking about 32 people that can do a job, nitpicky matters.
0: Well, I go back to the seven-step play action. I I brought it up last week. The reason I think it's a big problem for Goff is, again, readability. Late in the down readability, which is what the Patriots exploited in the Super Bowl. If you're running a seven-step drop, your back is turned to the defense for what? Four of those steps? Five of those steps? Yeah. By the time you turn around, that defense has developed into something you did not see pre-snap because the NFL is increasingly becoming a coverage switching league. Um, But we're going to really talk about that. The Giants are doing some really fun stuff with that. But um, just in general, I think if you give him a three and five step play action, um, because he was dominant in 2018 out of play action, this year he's not. And I think that correlates to time to throw. There are certain quarterbacks, you know, early in the down, late in the down. There are certain quarterbacks that you don't want thinking in the second half of the down. And Jared Goff might be the the poster guy for that. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Texans at Bears. Dan Wiederer had a really interesting Chicago Sun-Times had a really interesting, (laughs) I wrote in my notes, incendiary story this week. And and we've kind of heard this before. Bears brain-dressed the basic due diligence on Deshaun Watson. Uh, Ryan Pace was sold on Trubisky. There apparently weren't meetings between the coaches in the front office before they traded up to, I mean, ah. if you're Ryan Pace, how do you survive that to pick the Bears' next quarterback, which has to happen next year? I mean, I – What, six straight? Their defense has fallen out of the plane, which we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, yikes.
1: When I wrote that GMs on the hot seat piece, like the, the theme that sort of developed was you got to get quarterback right. You know, and it might save Tom Telesco. You know, if you're, if you're yeah. thinking that they might clean house in, in, with the Chargers – it looks like he got quarterback right, so that probably will save him. But guys like Pace that got it wrong, I don't know how you can let him make the next quarterback pick. Like, for, from, you know, this piece of the Chicago t- Times, some other pieces we've seen about, there was one from the Chicago Tribune, I think, last year that went into the same, you know.
0: Yeah, kind of, so not kind of, the first time we've heard it, it's obviously yeah. people are kind of reheating the angle because it's Texas Bears. But yeah. right.
1: I don't know how you look at that process and say, absent concrete evidence that he's going to get it right this time, that he's changed his evaluation process of the position, that you let him make the next quarterback pick. And is...
0: Well, absent evidence that he would get it right, let's
1: look at Nick Foles' deal. I was just going to say that. Is the trade for Nick Foles, does that convince you that he's going to get the next quarterback evaluation process right? Because it doesn't convince me, Doug. No. Right. So I don't, I don't know how... I don't know how you can let him make the next quarterback pick. If his house is the when I wrote that piece, I almost got onto like Chicago real estate like websites to see if his house was on the market in Lake Forest, because it should be.
0: Uh you should be renting right now, dude. Uh anyway. Chicago so right now the problem the the Bears' primary problem is not their quarterback situation. Right now their primary problem is their pass defense. Third against the pass in uh, defensive DVOA weeks one through nine, dead last in weeks 10 through 13. And that's a trend I started to pick up last week. Just looking at stats and watching a little bit of tape. And that's against good Kirk Cousins, Aaron Rodgers, and Matthew Stafford. So that's part of it. But you do a cursory study of that defense, even with the Soldier Field (coughs) All-22. And half the time, I have no clue what coverage you're trying to run. It's like the Cowboys. ton of little busts where guys just wind up clustered in weird spots in coverage and the ball's going the other way. Um, they're really tentative in coverage. They're not, and I don't know if this is a, a, it's a coaching thing, a Pagano, I, I don't know. Um, but they're really sort of waiting for bad things to happen. Um, and I would say that Seattle's defense, Dallas's defense, and Chicago's defense are three pass defenses right now. I was talking to, uh, after I did the piece on the 49ers and their uh, busted Palms coverage that uh, allowed Gabe Davis to have that easy touchdown was talking to one player and he said there are certain teams where everyone's just guessing yeah and i think the bears are, are one of three teams them cowboys seahawks i see this year where everyone's just guessing yeah I don't, I don't know how you get to that point this is a multi-billion dollar industry these coaches are paid a crap ton of money i don't know in week 13 and 2020 the year of our lord you are guessing in coverage i don't know how that happens
1: i mean i i think at some point over the summer, we're going to learn about teams that handled this time right.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's pilot, But, again, it's week 14. No. We have I, meetings, for God's sake.
1: I I don't know. I mean, all, all I know is that, like, with, with two kids doing distance learning, like, I'm not sure that they're paying attention during Zoom. I mean. Fair enough. My, my daughter... She had her birthday on Wednesday, and when her Zoom class started this morning, she was showing the kids, and again, it's a first-grade class, but she was showing the kids some of her toys, and it went on for 30 minutes. Like, I felt bad for the teacher. Now, not to compare NFL locker rooms to first-grade classrooms, although maybe that's a more apt comparison that we'd like to admit.
0: You know, I I just thought of the Jets.
1: Yeah, so, I mean – but at the same time, look, when, when you're talking about how you're going to run variations of cover four, this is stuff these guys have been doing. This is stuff these coaches have been teaching for a long time now. Like, you you would think you would have it right, but maybe not.
0: Because here's the thing. The the busted palms coverage, that was not to indict the 49ers. They, they've been really good in pass defense with horrific injuries. So... It's not to imply that, that Robert Sala all of a sudden isn't a good coach or that Richard Sherman got the alert call wrong. So all of a sudden he's an idiot. Obviously we know these things aren't true. Um, and with the Niners, that's just, okay, you're, you're playing, you're playing, you're playing, you run into an offensive buzzsaw you have one bad play and that's how things can just spiral out of control with these other defenses, Seattle, Dallas, Chicago, these past defenses that just it's over and over and over. It's the same crap. Yeah, I just just don't know. You know, I'm not a coach. I've, you know, I don't make my living that way. I don't know. In, you know, (laughs) of course we're going right to Cowboys at Bengals. So
1: hmm. right, which,
0: but anyway, for the for the Bears, here comes Deshaun Watson. Because here's the thing about Chicago's coverage right now: they seem especially vulnerable to second reaction quarterbacks who can win late in the down and outside of structure. And here comes a guy you didn't want, who's going to kick your ass.
1: That sound like Deshaun Watson at all? A guy who wins late in the down. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. That's kind of his shopping list, so there you go. And, um, again, we reiterate our call for the Texans to give to Sean Watson some help.
0: Yeah, Greg Bishop had a piece in SI today about Jack Easterby, and it's worse than you think, folks.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, when you're comparing somebody to Littlefinger from Game of Thrones, it's, really good. it's not good. Chaos as a letter is not a thing you want to hear about an NFL franchise.
0: Also more common in NFL front offices than you might imagine. Yeah. Uh, Real quick note, Watson without Will Fuller on deep stuff, 3 of 7 for 120 yards. I think they were a little constricted without Fuller, and I think it might take a while for them to kind of figure that
1: out. But, yeah. but yeah. 3 of 7 for 120 isn't
0: off. No, 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 no. no. And But you lose your primary deep guy, and that's the guy you're used to. He's taking stuff over the top, and it just it kind of gets weird uh cowboys at Bengals. nothing to say in a competitive sense cowboys allowed 294 yards against the ravens on tuesday night rushing yards and that wasn't their highest total of the season they gave up 307 to the browns in week four 261 to the cardinals in week six and 208 182 to the washington football team in week seven and 12 uh get healthy antonio gibson we really miss you not great bob Greg Williams basically got fired for one play. If there's another defensive coordinator you should be worried, it's Mike Nolan. I have rarely seen a defense with this much rod coming up with this out of sorts. And I know no one came in. This had been a you know pretty much single high you know cover one, cover three team. I'm going to complicate everything, and no one will know what we're doing. And the problem is when you do that, then your own players don't know what you're doing either.
1: Whoops. Yeah. And this, is, this might be an example of one of those wild overreactions we tend to see in the NFL. Because if you remember the stories about Dallas' defense last year, you know there was that moment where like it was George Ioka, I think, was trying to show a coverage pre-snap during practice and then spin it to something else. And the defensive coaches were like, why are you doing this? We don't need to do that. And he's like, why do we want to show them what we're doing? It was just like, and so now they're going to go in the wildly other direction, which is we're going to try to confuse everybody in the process, confuse ourselves in doing so.
0: Seattle's doing that a lot too. Yeah. Yeah. I think Chicago's doing that a lot too. There, there's your, uh, there's, there's your. A lot of- too cute by half in the NFL right now. And I believe you wrote about that recently. Did, right? uh, about the Buccaneers offense, which we'll get to in a moment. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Chiefs at Dolphins, fascinating series of matchups here. Let's start with the Dolphins offense. And I wrote about this this week. Chan Gailey got Tua out of the mud with heavy speed, no huddle, and empty concepts in the second half. That the long pass to Gaskin was a brilliant example of that. Yeah, Callaway on the crosser. looked like Gaskin was running a curl, and he kind of faded out. And it was like, wow, nice play design. Uh, the Bengals had absolutely no idea what to do against that, which, you know, we've talked about the Bengals' defense before. Um, but it's not automatic. I just want to talk about no huddle in a, in a general sense. Um commented. chan gailey commented the offense coordinator that yes no huddle prevents defenses from seeing things but it can also prevent quarterbacks from seeing what defenses will do and it's not automatic that no huddle is going to save your passing game jerry goff carson wentz and daniel jones are horrid in no huddle i think they have a a combined two touchdowns and eight interceptions in no huddle and here's your stat of the week and this may or may not surprise people patrick mahomes Over the last two seasons, how many – guess how many – I mean, you've seen the rundown. Guess how many – pretend to guess. How many dropbacks out of no huddle Patrick Mahomes has since the start of the 2019 season? 75. 16. Mm -hmm. Nine last year, seven this year. They don't do it. They don't need to do it. They don't want to do it. They want to see what the defense does. Oh, are you too hot? Okay, here comes a run game. Single high? (laughs) Cute. There's Tyree Kill. So – I don't, you know, what are your thoughts on, you're a quarterback guy. What are your thoughts on no huddle and how, you know, how that works? I mean. Because everyone, you know, you succeed in no huddle, then everyone's like build the whole plan out of the black box. And there's five reasons not to.
1: I think no huddle is done, you know, it's at its best when it's married with personnel. My favorite no huddle examples are New England. And look, this is a unique circumstance, but. Back when they had Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski and Danny Woodhead, and they could go 12 personnel but change it based on what you were doing as a defense where they could be 12 personnel empty on one down and 12 personnel, which is basically I formation with Hernandez as a lead, run as an H-back or a fullback, depending on what you did. So you come out for a series using that package. Say they go base 4-3 because they want to stop the run. Now you go tempo. You spread it out. You don't let them substitute. And you could just pick them apart, throwing the ball baton break. Like that's using tempo married with personnel. I think is a very good thing to do if you're an offensive play designer. And that, by
0: the way, was when Belichick was talking to Chip Kelly, and they were running 1,200 plays a season.
1: Yeah, and they did yeah. That
0: for a couple of years, and then they stopped.
1: Right, because then you
0: quote unquote normal.
1: Right, when you lose the ability to do that, and/or teams figure it out, you have to let adjust to the adjustments. But I also think at times it's good to get quarterbacks broken from trying to think too much, which is why Peterson would use it with Wentz, try to, like, fix something, get him into a rhythm, whatever, but clearly that didn't work. And so I think there are times to do it, but like everything else, like, oh, team struggle, run the ball more. Oh, team struggle, use play action more. Like, we think these are these, like, easy band-aids to fix offenses that there's more to it than just saying we're going to use tempo to get things right. Like, you have to do it the right way, and if you don't, you're just, again, being too cute by half.
0: Interesting thing about – Chiefs play a lot of quarters on defense. They play more cover zero than any other defense. Ton of cover zero. Um, And that's per Sports Info Solutions. And when you're Steve Spagnuolo, you're like, well, my team's going to score 40 points every week. I can do whatever the hell I want. That's Uh, – LeJerry Sneed is back. That's my guy. Uh, Tyron Matthew doing Honey Badger things. So, you know – I, I, your point about, and I would add to the point about getting your quarterback not to think too much. I think Tua is so intelligent and he's such a perfectionist. He's kind of got a Russell Wilson brain, but he's not quite there yet. And I know with Russell in his first two seasons and I was around the team, um, there were times when he would just, you know, it was like that reverse. I remember Archie Manning talking about Eli and Peyton. What were the differences? And this was, I think, before Super Bowl 50. And Archie said, Eli forgets things. Peyton never does. Peyton remembers every mistake he's ever made. If you asked Eli a week after he made a mistake, he wouldn't remember. And it's better to be Eli than Peyton in that regard. You know, the the instant amnesia we all talk about. But I think with Tua and how his coaches have talked about him and how Ryan Fitzpatrick has talked about him, he's so conscientious and he so wants it to be the right thing. You can get your sphincter in a little bit of a tussle there. And I think that may have happened... Cause he had a really bad game against Denver. We was just all over the place in the pocket and out of the pocket. Then he had the thumb. So he had to sit for a week and like, think about it. And I think, you know, against a heavy, heavy blitz, uh, they are going to present some middle of the field, open looks, Galey scheming stuff up really well. Um, If you can force the chiefs into a base and base means different things. um, But if it's like a base four, two, five, and you start to get some good looks off that, well, why wouldn't you?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I mean, I know we're going to talk about when the Chiefs have the ball in a second, but I am very interested to see how Spagnuolo sort of schemes things up to try to confuse Tua. You know, is he going to rely on this zero stuff? You know, a lot of people say rookie quarterback, young quarterback, blitz him, you know, speed him up. I tend to think that always gives them an advantage, you know, because if you're getting blitz, it's like, OK, well, I'm just going to throw my hot read. I'm just going to throw my I'm just going to get the ball out They're almost giving them an advantage I'm curious to see if Spagnuolo feels the same way It says you know what We're going to play more quarters We're going to play more zone stuff We're not going to pressure you We're going to force you to think But then does that go to what you were just saying about Tua and his brain Which is good But maybe it's not quite there yet That's the interesting thing to me in this game
0: I think he has the capacity Like every thing, every box you want to check As long as the hip is okay And the health right. stays together checks every box. Um, Spagnolo could go with. I've seen them run, you know, they'll run too high, but it'll, they'll disguise it out of what looks like cover one. Yeah. And they'll, they'll bring a man disguise into a, you know, more of an umbrella zone thing. Um, and the cover zero, I mean, what's been the one thing that's killed Russell Wilson all year? The one thing that he cannot handle. Cardinals did it, Giants did it. Um, the mug looks, are we, pressure, are we coming? Are we backing off? Um, I would expect the Chiefs to do that look. kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think sub-package bug looks, sim pressures, things like that. We'll see a lot of that probably. Yep.
0: How the Dolphins Stop Mahomes. There really isn't one coverage that works against him. Match looks out of obvious zone pre-snap. Used to be a minor kryptonite. Broncos did it to him twice in 2018. He didn't really handle it well. But he's admitted, you know, he came in the league. I, I don't know how to read defenses. I just – I What's my secret? I'm Patrick Mahomes, and now he can read stuff. So, um, Flores is from the Belichick school, so he's not going to stick with the plan just because that's who they are. Um, hi, Seahawks. I bet you're going to see more brackets over Tyreek Hilton, the Bucks gave him. You want to save that more?
1: Yeah. I mean, probably. I mean, that would seem to make some sense. I, I You know, what's interesting, you know – when you think about playing Kansas City, everybody thinks you want to play quarters, play everything in front of you, keep everything in front of you, prevent the big play. Yeah,
0: they the run for 300 yards.
1: but Mahomes, And Mahomes can also carve you up. Like, you know, the idea is force them to make a bunch of throws. Okay, force Patrick Mahomes to make a bunch of throws in front of you. Like, he can't do that. Um, so that's why you see, like, New England, one cross, one double, ten. Like, you're going to see stuff like that where they're going to try to, you know, you're not going to leave them on an island. With t- so see, leave somebody on, with a t- on an island with Tyree Kill, but then you've got to worry about Travis Kelsey. You've got to worry about Nicole Hardman. You know, and they're, they're just, they they have so many weapons. I mean, I think the only way you could really slow them down is to have a Bosa brother. Like, period. Get pressure with four, Nick or Joey. Uh, we saw the Chargers have success with that. We saw the 49ers have success with that. When you can get pressure with four and keep seven in coverage in some combination of seven, we've got a shot.
0: Well, Emmanuel Arbaugh isn't a Bosa brother, but he's pretty damn good. Pretty yet. good.
1: I mean, and so, you know, that gives you a chance to have a numbers advantage in the secondary, so you can double Tyree. You can put a cone on Travis Kelsey, and then just, you know, take your shots with the other guys. You know, not that I thought... Not that I think the Dolphins thought they'd be in this position this year, but if you look at some of the moves they made, adding guys to the secondary, Xavier Howard is playing incredibly well. Mm-hmm. Belichick has the ability with his guys to play the matchups he wants in the secondary. That's what Flores is trying to build, and it was for a game like this.
0: Well, one guy that we haven't really talked about this year, and I've kind of I've liked him for a long time, but he's uh, Bobby McCain.
1: Yeah,
0: Dolphins' primary free safety this year. Um, he had a late, he was a deep third. I think it was cover three against the Bengals and he sort of drifted over to, um, interception against the Bengals. Uh, God, the rookie receiver, dumbass. (laughs) Higgins. Yeah. Yeah. I think Higgins was a target and he just kind of drifted over and then jumped it. Um, with kind of a, a, a bracket look. So I, I'd expect to see some interesting things from uh, that. That's one of those matchups like, okay, because how do you ever stop Mahomes? And I don't know if this offense can score 40 points right now. Um, right. Defense that's starting to, you know, getting Snead back is huge. Um, Matthew had one of his games. Uh, that, so at that point. <laughs>
1: anytime you was a defender, confused Tom Brady. Yeah. good, And I remember a pick that, Bobby McCain had of Brady a couple years ago on a dagger concept too high. Brady's expected him to carry the seam route from the inside, and he jumps the dig when Brady throws it.
0: Was that the game where Brady threw two picks?
1: I think so, yeah.
0: Was, yeah, because yeah, the Dolphins, I was talking to Matt Bowen about that game when I did Matt, the match game series, and that was the game the Dolphins just played a crap ton of match. And yeah. Brady was like, okay, I thought you were gonna do this and now
1: yeah. I mean I remember after the game Brady talked about that play. He's like, I didn't expect in a million years he would come off that seam route and he did and he jumped the dig. I mean, you know, that's that's upper level stuff. That was a couple years ago. So yeah, like you said, he could be the guy to watch in this game.
0: Well, McCain this year, uh he's allowed three catches on eight targets this season for eighteen yards, no yak, one pick, no touchdowns, and an opponent pass rating of six point three. Is that good?
1: That's pretty good. That's, that's pretty good.
0: Yep. Deep third guy who reads the field well. Here comes a major obvious test. Um, So Graham Barfield. I want to make sure I get Graham's affiliation correctly since. Oh, yeah. Co-owner of Fantasy Points, author of Yards Created. Did you see this? uh, And I put it in the rundown. uh, DeAndre Hopkins' route tree over his last three games.
1: (laughs) Is it a tree or is it more? It's a tree. It's that Charlie Brown Christmas tree.
0: It is, it is a pathetic Christmas tree. It's all to the left, and they run, Cardinals run a ton of 10 personnel with Hopkins as the backside ISO. I think there are two passes from either slot. Uh, yeah, it's bad. Uh, I have a lot of notes about the Cardinals passing off So I'm just going to roll. The numbers for the deep passing game or the last three games are horrific. Seven attempts of 20 or more air yards to receivers at all with no completions. Max Williams and Dan Arnold, their tight ends each have one deep reception in that time. DeAndre Hopkins passing charts, especially reductive. I would expect this from Wes Welker, but with a lot more crossers. Uh, Kyler Murray has thrown one deep pass to Hopkins since week 10 against the Bills, the Hale Murray game. Uh, He has two attempts, two catches, including the Hail Mary against the Bills. Deep pass against the Rams last – and the one pass, it was like a 25-yard P.I. on Jalen Ramsey. Uh, The deep pass against the Rams last last week to the left boundary out of 10, 25-yard P.I. call. The 59-yard completion to Dan Arnold was off a coverage bust and was the longest pass play the Rams have allowed all season. I don't know if this is Kingsbury trying to get his quarterback in a rhythm. I don't know what – you know, maybe the the shoulder is an issue – um but as i mentioned cardinals run three heavy heavy three by one sets out of 10 personnel hopkins is a backside iso he will get deep openings based on this necessity to shade the coverage to the other side the safety bust on hale murray was part of that because the bills had to shade to the boundary side the the three and leave late movement to hopkins on the backside. Um, you'll get the opponent's best cornerback on you in that scenario, but Hopkins is used to that, and when you sign a guy to a two-year contract extension with $54.5 million in new money and $42.75 million guaranteed, you're pretty much saying that that's what you expect him to be. Um, I don't know, because in Kingsbury's first season in the nfl halfway through the season it was like 10 10 10 10 and then he switched halfway through and it really impressed me how he was able to adapt on the fly mid-season change his personnel groupings and everything just worked and it seems to be like not just you're doing the same thing over and over you're taking maybe your second best offensive player well not maybe he is the second best offensive player and you're trying to make him a third tight end and i just don't get it
1: yeah, and um, Stephen Ruiz really a great piece in the Cardinals' offense right now. Why it's struggling, he highlighted three areas, and you can read it over it for the to One is too many wide receiver screens. Two, they're just awful on third downs right now, like yeah. just playing bad on third downs. And three, it's they're not using Hopkins right. I and mean, he wrote, he's rarely strayed from his spot out wide on the left, which which makes it far easier for defenses to defend him. Mostly because that's exactly they know exactly where he's going to be. They don't have to adjust the structure of their defense coverage to account for the different alignments. It's a very collegiate level to structure in the passing game at the NFL. Taking advantage of matchups is the name of the game. And you create mismatches by moving your best players around. Kingsbury isn't doing that. The air raid is structured on going fast. And so you keep guys where they are so you can line up faster. That's okay for a while. But when teams can figure it out like teams have, you have to adjust the adjustments. They need to start moving them around. This is, as Stephen writes, a matchup league, and if you just put a guy there and say, okay, go. If Patrick Graham likes, to say, the matchup of, you know, James Bradbury, for example, like he knows where he's going to be. Yeah. Or if he likes saying, look, we're going to play quarters to the Hopkins side, they know what to do. So as I've said before in the show and elsewhere, you have to make guys on the defensive side of the ball think. If you're not, you're wrong, and they're wrong right now by doing this.
0: So here come the giants who are dialing up all kinds of wicked stuff. Uh, They showed against Russell Wilson, nebulous fronts, late coverage, switches, mug pressure, coverage, confusion. Patrick Graham is doing what Todd Bowles was doing earlier in the season and then stopped doing for whatever weird reason, which is just a wicked combination of stuff. Logan Ryan had some interesting quotes this week there. And this is another thing Graham did. And Ryan said before the year, I want to switch from corner to safety. And the Giants said, okay, we'll let you do that. And it's been great. Uh, Ryan talked this week about how they're using different coverage games to make the middle of the field look open and then it's closed. And I would say at this point, Dr. Schofield, Patrick Graham might be working himself into a few surprise head coaching interviews.
1: I, I think he has. I mean, we've talked a lot about sub packages this week. We've talked a lot about it before. You know, Arizona 065 is one example. New York has a 137 that they're using. And they've gone 0-3-8 at times too this year. They did that against Trubisky, and he was just saying, What is this? Um, earlier in the year. And when you can confuse Russell Wilson, you've done some good work as a defense and as a defensive coordinator. I think Graham is like you said, he's gonna get some head coaching looks. You now what's interesting is you're going up against an offense that has probably practiced against this 065 at some point, so maybe they have some ideas. You know, maybe it's a situation where if they're going to show this mug stuff, they're going to show these nebulous fronts where you don't know who's coming and going fine. You know, that, thing I said earlier about somebody wide receiver screens that they like to throw. Maybe it's a week where that actually helps them. I don't know. Uh, but Graham has done some really good stuff this year. I think he does get some looks. I wouldn't be surprised if teams that, you know, maybe want to go in a different direction, like say the Chicago bears, you've had the offensive minded head coach. Maybe you interview a Patrick Graham, Matt Aberfluss, like some of these guys, Robert Sala, um, to go in a different direction. But this is a fun little one to think about from an X's and O's perspective. Yeah. Uh,
0: by the way, speaking of Sala, a little bird told me this week that when, when I think when Sala gets a head coaching job in 2021, uh, the guy he wants is his OC is 49ers passing game coordinator, uh, Mike LaFleur, brother of Matt. I Irish Shanahan
1: that at some point this year, that he's going to get some offensive coordinator looks because of what he's done with Shanahan.
0: Apparently, from what I've heard, when Sally gets a head coaching job, he is dragging Lafleur out of that building to wherever he goes.
1: Wouldn't surprise me.
0: Yeah, just a little note there. Uh, so yeah, uh, Cardinals, uh, time to figure it out because this is not this is not a get well defense. We can talk about the Giants and blah blah. Giants are what like five and two with uh, five and two in their last seven games. Combined losses, I'm not looking at it, I, I heard this, combined losses of three points. Uh, this is a good team. It is. Do, we know, do we know where Jones is, by the way? I hadn't looked it up.
1: Um, It's still sort of up in the air. I'd be surprised if he goes this week, um, from what I'm kind of hearing, um, but we'll see. What's interesting... Arizona's
0: defense is also falling apart, by the way.
1: The Giants' one game is good. Yes. Like, the Giants' run game is very good. and I, I, Andrew
0: Thomas is starting to run into shape, by the way.
1: Yeah, that 60-yard run, when he identified Bobby Wagner in space and got enough on him to sprint Gallman, that was nice. Gallman quietly having a very good year. Um, and, and to nip the other conversation in the bud, do not fire Jason Garrett. Like, period, full stop. Jason Garrett has done some great things for your offense. You're in the playoff hunt partly because of what he's done.
0: Yes. How's that? How's that looking Cowboys? No. How about them Cowboys? Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, so here's a larger story. Vikings at Buccaneers. This had better be a get well game for the Bucs offense. You're coming off a bye. you know, extra week to prepare vulnerable pass defense. Um, maybe Brady should start bouncing passes off the shoulder pads of Vikings defenders for touchdowns like Mike Glennon did with your guy, the last Sunday. Um, Just to review the issues of the offense, they were in a bye last week. We didn't talk about them. Very little play action. When Brady does have play action, it's demanded that it be a shot play. So everything has to be in fifth gear. I don't want to get too hard into the motion stuff because I, I, you know, I kind of obsess over this at this point. Um, But uh, motion for information and motion for impact indicator motions Arians is basically like, well, I never needed it with Peyton Manning, so why does this guy need it? And Brady's used motion, you know, at an over 50% rate in the passing game for years. Um, You know, it's just a real disconnect.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of issues, and you know, this might be an area where play action can certainly help. Um, Obviously we know Tom Brady from his career. Play action with that tight end crosser, like that's, that's Brady's bread and butter. And they've done some of that um, this season with Gronkowski. But I think they need to do a lot more of that. And I'm going to pull up some numbers here in a second once I can log in to my PFF account. Um, they don't use enough of it. They don't use enough of like His like, NFL passer rating, his yards per attempt, his completion percentage, it's all top five on play action this year but he's only had like 89 play action dropbacks to this point, which is like 23rd in the league.
0: And the, the rate of attempts per sports info solutions where it's 20 air yards or more is really whacked out, really disproportionate. Like a quarterback who has 200 play action attempts might have, you know, X number of deep shots Brady off that 89, whatever you said. Yeah. Um, we have the same amount as a guy who has 200 and that's, it's almost like you're you're not betting on your quarterback to fail but you're demanding that okay if you're going to run play action it had better be this which i just you know that that seems like a strange way to handle it
1: and and there are some i think philosophical differences between brady and and arians (laughs) um you know but they're not things that i think are like necessarily fatal I think it's just a learning process, and you know, we when we talk about quarterbacks, we often talk about muscle memory in terms of mechanics, but there's sort of cerebral muscle memory as, memory as well. You know, when you your entire life or 20 years, which is an entire life of an NFL player, are throwing hot reads based on protection, and now it's hot reads based on attack at space. It's going to take time to unlearn that, and when you see Tom Brady on a blitz, a zero blitz, like this chief showed him in that early in that game, take his eyes to the tight end, and Rob Gronkowski isn't looking for the football because he's not the hot read. Muscle memory has taken over, and it's going to take some time to unlearn that for Brady. But we're in week 14. Time's running out.
0: Vikings are 6-6. Six and six, Buccaneers are 7-5. and five. Vikings have won two straight. Uh, or Vikings have won two straight. Buccaneers have lost two straight. Kirk Cousins has been playing out of his mind the last month um 11 touchdowns and two interceptions since week 10 my notes my notes are he's still kirk cousins and you still don't know what you're getting week to week right and the offense runs through Dalvin cook in the same way that tennessee's offense runs through derrick henry even though the titans are their passing game is expanding we'll get to that in a minute uh cousins is not as great under pressure one touchdown one pick cousins against man coverage this season 17 touchdowns no interceptions uh, Todd Bowles might want to blitz, but let's tamp down the man coverage. Buccaneers have been heavy, man. you know. It, uh, it, and Antoine Winfield said this week that the Bucs eventually realized that you couldn't cover Tyreek Hill one-on-one. I don't know how you eventually realized that.
1: You should kind of go in.
0: Eventually realize that Jimi Hendrix is a good musician. Right. Poor Carlton Davis. Maybe he'll get a little help against Justin Jefferson. And... I want to say again, Mark, you were the first guy on this. Yeah, he played slot at LSU, but he can play everywhere. And I'll say it again. I I would have to go back a while to see a rookie receiver who is this nuanced as a route runner. Because it shows up every week.
1: It does. Um, the vertical route that Cousins threw after the pick six where he just got, he was flexed outside the bottom of the numbers, kids wasn't in the slot and just got an absolutely filthy release off the line the change of direction jefferson had on the touchdown um just he, he's legit like i think there's no way around it um what's interesting about cousins right now is that they haven't really changed things schematically now they're still doing what they do a lot of play action wide zone buddha action off of that crossing routes to jefferson which is how he was used at lsu you know, I just think the teams thought, okay, look, the Vikings, they're not really going at it. We can start playing man coverage, whatever. Phelan's hurt. Jefferson's a rookie. And they're carving up man coverage right now. They're
0: um, coming in six if they win this game.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we, we as we start thinking about the playoffs of the proverbial team nobody wants to face in the NFC, the Vikings might be that team. Like, a team that can run the ball, keep your offense on the sidelines, hit you with play action, a quarterback that, you know, you don't ask to do a ton. Does that sound like perhaps Tennessee from last year?
0: Yeah. Well, right now the Vikings are the seven seed just over the Cardinals. So, you know, someone's going to have to deal with them.
1: Well, as Steve Kornacki pointed out, though, look, they, they have a tougher schedule, you know, than some of the other. I
0: love that so much. They need to do that every
1: week. I'm glad that Brittany Kornacki back. It was great. Yes,
0: uh yeah so there's that Broncos at Panthers Uh, let's talk about Titans at Jaguars uh, just so we know, are clear uh as the podcast goes on we're going to focus more on either matchups that are competitive or teams that are competitive for the postseason Titans are certainly one of those face the Jaguars this week not much for Ryan Tannehill to worry about here and we've talked about AJ Brown. Obviously, we know about Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill. Corey Davis out of nowhere is coming along hard as a second for AJ Brown. Since week 10, Davis has 24 catches on 27 targets for 432 yards and a touchdown. And dial up. His touchdown against the Browns last week, yeah. 15 yard out and up as Tannehill left the pocket to the right, tied himself to Tannehill's second reaction. And by the way, kids, if you want to be a receiver and get a second contract with a team and you have a mobile quarterback, if you can align yourself to the mobile quarterback when he's running, that'll get you your second deal. Uh, Doug Baldwin made that point to me years ago, talking about Russell Wilson and how important it was for Baldwin to align himself to wherever Russ was. Like and he Baldwin said, when Russ breaks, I have to get open. So whatever the play is, I just throw that out the window. And now it's it's backyard football, and I just have to stay open for Russ. Uh, this is a great example of that for Davis, and he just bodied Kevin Johnson right out of the stadium. So that's you know obviously you want to lean on Henry. That passing game is it's starting to look up.
1: Yeah, I mean. You know, in scrabble drill, rules for wide receivers are critical. You have to know them. You have to execute them well, particularly when you have quarterbacks that are going to throw on the move, which we're seeing more and more of in today's National Football League. And that Davis play is a tremendous example of that. The Titans, their defense has problems. It won't be a problem. Either, problems. But they have problems right now. And it, if you want to see the notion of play action as a cheat code, look up the Donovan Peoples-Jones touchdown because this is 13 personnel in staff. Doug, you heard about it last week. Stefanski did a great job at throwing 12, 22, 13. But watch the free safety on that play. <laughs> he's aligned 10 yards off the ball and comes screaming downhill. Now, he's not probably going to make a play because it's a vertical route. He might not get there. But when your free safety ends up almost falling over, to try to stop a reverse field because he's come down that hard on a run fake. You're doing good things to sell play action. It was similar with the Eagles-Packers game when Lafleur dialed up 13 personnel, thrown on first and 10 from his own one-yard line, and you've got McLeod, the free safety, coming screaming downhill, and then they throw a post around, and the poor corner playing outside leverage and cover three is like, where's my help? Oh, he's suddenly in the A-gap. Like, that's a problem. Um, so, yeah, play action could be a cheat code.
0: Well, I was going to talk about this during Ravens-Browns, but I'll bring it up now um, since we're going there, and I'm, I'm glad we are. Uh, so Mayfield had, had had one of his – oh, wait. that's Okay, that was – so Stefanski is dialing up some interesting repeated concepts right now. They run this – it's a play it's, – it's, it's, it's a three – it's not a three-level stretch. It's not levels like that, but it's play action, pre-snap tight end motion to the backfield, and max protect so this is screaming run and they've run it out of as you said 11 22 and 13 personnel and the passing concept is a combination of a throwback a deep throwback with a stutter go so you vacated the safety with sort of the pre-snap alignment and you're vacating the corner to the other side with the stutter go and they've used it with um with people's Jones with uh, with Odell Beckham before he got hurt. I mean, they can do this with anybody. They could yeah. probably do it with Harrison Bryant if they wanted to. Um, but that's, I, I was watching that and you and I were talking about it, kind of the same concept out of three different um, offensive personnel packages. And in the NFL, I mean, we've talked about this. It's not a 700 page playbook with 700 different plays. It's a hundred different plays with seven different variants in each. You're not... Yeah. The, the Al Saunders days are over. We're not doing that. Um, now it's, uh, I know there was a great, uh, guy did a thing at the Taysom Hill run play and the Alvin Kamara touchdown where it was, uh, it was, you know, it was F week. So the, the, the F week run concepts are, that's part of a package as opposed to a thousand different plays. So what's defense? He's doing out of different, you know, to expand that then into different personnel groups. That's when your offense. It goes back to the McVeigh thing. Obviously, Shanahan's construction of it, uh, Belichick's construction of it, doing the same thing out of different personnel packages will really mess up the defense.
1: Yeah, because one, it's getting the defense you want to do this against. You know, if you want to throw a shot play, do it out of thirteen. Because yeah. you're going to get base personnel, you're going to get base coverages, and you're going to get them thinking run. And it comes back to the earlier point when we were talking about when you can get the guys on the defensive side of the ball thinking before the play, you're in a good position as an offense. Because in the two examples I just talked about, that Packers example and this Browns example, everybody on the defensive side of the ball is thinking run. And it's also situational, too. First and ten. First and ten on your one-yard line. Those are rundowns in the National Football League. As we've traditionally come to know the National Football League. So when you dial up shot plays in those moments, you've made the defense think. When you get free safety screaming downhill to fill the A gap, like you're doing something good as a play caller. And when you can especially do it, it's the same route concept. So you know what whatever you call it, you know 009 or whatever, but it's just out of different personnel. It's the same exact play out of different personnel. You've got the defense thinking you're doing good work.
0: I had a couple of lightning round ones here. Uh, Colts at Raiders. a no cover blitzes here, Derek Carr. Colts have played cover zero once this season. Exactly one play. And they allowed a four-yard touchdown, which tells me it's red zone. Uh, they'll play more, far more cover, two and quarters mixed in. And really good at that, especially against vertical passing teams. Derek Carr on passes of 20 air yards against two high coverage this season. Five of 13 for 223 yards. Two touchdowns, one interception. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, Jets at Seahawks. Come on. (laughs) Pete Carroll has this 53 total play thing that apparently he read somewhere in a Vince Lombardi book. And I, I, maybe this is because we got a lot, you know, uh, Saints Eagles is going to take about 20 minutes. So I'll, I'll say that for another week, but what, uh, Packers at Lions. I'm feeling a little warmer and fuzzier about Green Bay's defense right now. And there's a two word reason. Darnell Savage compared him to Bob Sanders when he came out of Maryland and he's starting to play that way. Not all the time, but um, my notes, aggressive and intelligent Bahawk with three picks since week 12. Yeah. They're against Trubisky and Jalen Hurts, but you have to watch what he's doing. He's a legitimate eraser from both lurk and free safety positions. When you have that guy, you can sort of build around it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think the only other interesting thing about this though is, we, we talked earlier about Cousins, like which Cousins are you going to get week to week? Which Stafford are you going to get week to week? I mean, last week he was fantastic. Other weeks he's not. I mean, and I want him to be the fantastic Matthew Stafford week in week out. We just don't get that. Um, how much does Detroit run the ball in this one? You know, because we've talked about that Packers run D. What's the recipe for that, Doug? If you're uh, not right.
0: double, clean, double Kenny Clark and single everyone else. There you go. Well, this is Aaron Rodgers against a defense that's probably going to play a lot of man, so how much are they going to run the ball down? 20, 30, 40 points? That's also true. Yeah. Saints and Eagles. Okay. Uh, I'm going to start with you because you did a great piece this week on Jalen Hurts versus two-man. Saints will play heavy, two man. They disguise a ton. You really – boy, Dennis Allen is just dialing it up ferociously, and everyone's on the same page. So, you know, you could have started – Jalen Hurts against any team in the last month, and you give him this. Uh, Doug Peterson on, on Hurts this week, by the way. In order to get him some success, you have to try and establish a little bit of the run game. That helps, and he can be a part of that. Just go out and try to find some easy completions. The quick game or a screen, here or there, something that can kind of get him into the flow of the game. That might have been a decent strategy for your last quarterback.
1: I mean, you've seen the meme of the guy looking at the girl as the girlfriend like kind of looks on in horror. Well, that's probably Carson Wentz seeing Doug Peterson talk about establishing the run game. Like, where was that? Um,
0: so, Jack, Jalen Hurts against two men, which you've written yeah. about.
1: As for, as for Hurts, like, he gets to go up against a top three defense of DVOA and then perhaps a top ten defense next week against Arizona, like if he gets a second start here, which, I mean, talk about getting thrown to the Wolves. Um, you know, the premise of the piece on Hurts was, can you find a game plan for him against the Wolves? Well, I mean, arguably no. Arguably, no, you can't. But some things that can work, they play a lot of two-man. We all know two deep safeties, weak spots. Between the safeties, towards the boundary. He can throw vertical routes, touch, bucket throws. Like, Hertz can do that. He had a bucket throw to Jalen Regor, which I think was good. Another thing that the Saints have been susceptible to at times is those scramble drill moments because um, they could get pressure on you. Um, they've got one of the highest pressure rates in the league this year. They've also got a high sack number, top three in that, tied with the Eagles, by the way, which tells you the worth of sacks, generally speaking. Um, but Hurts can make plays in scramble drill moments. Teams have made plays in scramble drill moments against the Saints, so I think those are some opportunities for him. You know, but the the, the sort of bigger.
0: Through a total beef or right to Darnell Savage.
1: Right. Yeah. So I mean. The other thing to think about here, and Michael Kist, when he's not posting old videos of him taking chairs to the Dome from his wrestling days, pointed out.
0: What is wrong with that guy?
1: He's just, he's, he's, a, he's a gift to us all. Um, Everybody's sort of working off of the 2018 Eagles training camp day one install playbook, okay? There, there's copies of that floating around. They ran what they call 383 Arizona, which is their day one one 1B pass install three times in a row in that game. That tells you where they're at with their offense. And they did it with Wentz, and they did it again with Hurts like twice in a row. It was like that's where they are as an offense. When it's week 14 and that's where you are as an offense and you're going to your backup quarterback or rookie, it's bad. It's very bad.
0: This This goes back to my point about Chicago's defense. And Seattle's defense. Why are you guessing in week 14?
1: It's when you've run out of answers. You've run out of answers. You've run out of cards to play. You know, use your euphemism. You've got nothing left in the tight, Doug. And and the, the Eagles are a mess. The Eagles are an abject mess right now. And I don't know how it gets fixed. And I don't know what happens to Wentz. And maybe he goes to the Colts. I don't know if the Colts take on that contract. It's just bad all around.
0: I, I don't I don't think he's movable with that contract. The second, it, the contract hadn't even started yet.
1: I know. You are taking on the bad parts of it if you acquire this guy. Why
0: the hell would you want to spend that much on that guy right now? I you know, I get yeah, he was great whenever, but that's not now. No. I, I get coaching arrogance, oh I can fix him. Someone's gonna say I can fix Carson Wentz. That will happen, I'm sure. But I mean yeah.
1: Charles McDonald said it on Twitter. I think it was yesterday or maybe even this morning. You know, if they do fire Peterson or whatever, the next head coach and interview is going to come in and say, yeah, I can fix him and pull a cliff and say, now that you've given me the job, no, I can't fix him, and we're doing something else at quarterback.
0: We're pulling a McCarthy. I went to PFF. I didn't listen, though. Right. Uh, As for Taysom Hill, which, and I'll go on record, I was not in favor of this whole Taysom Hill quarterback thing. I thought Sean Payton put a bit more on his passing plate against the Falcons this time around, and he responded well. And that's encouraging, as are the ways in which the run game banks off Hill's ability as a runner. So it was Adam May of WWL-TV did this audio-video mashup of, it's called 15-week F-keeper, 7-yard Taysom Hill run in the first half, And then Peyton is walking off the the field at halftime. He turns to Alvin Kamara, who's just kind of there, and says, what do you like? And he said, well, coach, I like that F keeper, but give me the ball And off the keep motion. Bang, there's Kamara with an 11-yard touchdown. So we're talking about the Saints' defense, of course, but you've got Hill starting to benefit the passing game, and the running game is getting more multiple and efficient based on Hill's designed runs. Now, Hill is expected to start this week, and then we'll see with Breeze. Obviously, if Breeze is healthy, you bring him back in. But this has, I think, you know, this this three-week sort of you're the guy. It's, well, now we can find out uh, it's not five snaps and bring Breeze off the field on third down and it just looks stupid. Now you get a better idea at game speed what he's capable of, how the passing game can bring him along. Not only that, but how the run game then becomes reconstructed around his abilities as a runner, which is fascinating.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I, I think two things could be true. Like you, I was very skeptical of this whole Taysom Hill thing, but they've shown growth on the passing game. He's shown growth as a passer. You've seen him like click and climb in the pocket and things like that, um, which is impressive. They played Atlanta.
0: Uh, like an 18 yard completion of Michael Thomas. And it was a weird coverage. I get that. 18 yard completion of Thomas on the right hash or right sideline. Uh, it's third and 17. Yeah. And he's got to hit that before I think it was AJ Terrell jumps the route. Um, I know like Brian Baldinger said it was a bad coverage. Well, it's a third and 17 coverage, you're gonna play off. Yeah. Um, I thought he'll do I think I mean, like a really millisecond late. Um, but he still hit it in the timing of the down. And when you're asking your Sean Payton saying, I want you to get us a first down on third and 17, yeah. Um, you know, now, as I've said before, coaches will say all kinds of crap in their press conferences. If you want to know what, how coaches feel about players, watch the responsibilities they give them on the field. And that, to me, was a crucial moment of Sean Payton saying, we're in third and 17. I trust you to get this. And he got it.
1: How many teams were on draw screen or tunnel screen there? Yeah. Most other teams would in that scenario. Uh, but it, it is important to remember he's played Atlanta twice in a Denver team, starting a uh, practice squad wide receiver. Oh,
0: without question. So, yeah.
1: You know, but it's not like the Eagles defense per, present that huge of a challenge. I mean, we just got t- done talking about play action and the impact it had on, you know, their free safety. You know, there would be plays place to be made in the passing game for Jason Mill for sure.
0: Are you going to make me look up, um, <laughs> oh, God, Darius Slay's numbers in the last two games? I'm just going to say that it was a couple of bad matchups for him.
1: Uh, yeah. I'm going to be nice. You get to, to Adams, There was another play action play with Lafleur. Jet motion, play action, sleighs tripping over himself, like looking like on skates. Like, and Devontae Adams is running free. Like, that's not good.
0: Uh, I'm running free. A little Iron Maiden there for you. Okay. Falcons at Chargers. Uh, you, Dr. Schofield, dug into the two plays where Tredavius White, who I misspelled uh, his name as Tredavius White in last two weeks' rundown, and I think you should change it to that because he was very devious. And then Chase Winovich, both read Justin Herbert's mind for interceptions based on what you saw and you broke these things down. um, We know that rookie quarterbacks, it's like you come in 10 games, nine games, 12 games, whatever. You're just, you're the guy. And then they figure you out and it's like, Oh crap. What now is, is, is this just two plays or is the NFL kind of, do they have the magic gate ball for him now? And does he have to then
1: adapt? I mean, I think, he does have to develop. I think this is something to watch as he goes forward, because what he's doing right now is making assumptions about what he hasn't looked at yet. And sometimes when you do that, it's the proverbial when make an assumption, you make a, you know what out of you and me. Um, That's where he's at right now. Um, Because when you're running this against, you know, Washington state on a Saturday afternoon, if you haven't looked backside, you can be pretty confident about what you're going to get. I mean, you know, I remember what I was you know, play, you know, you you get cover three, you like, oh, I know that that safety is going to drop and that backside curl flat defender is going to be a linebacker and I'm going to throw the ball backside to the hitch because I know he's not going to get there. I don't have to look at it. Well, that's great against Williams College on a Saturday in 1994. It's not great against Tredavious White or Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots because they're going to show you something you aren't expecting, and if you haven't confirmed it and you assume what you're going to get, that's what's going to happen on both of these plays. Trey White right him on the backside of cover three. Um, and then Chase Winovich, you're not expecting him to do a good job of being a curl flat defender on the backside of cover six, but that's what he was. Not he, generally,
0: no.
1: No, but you, you, you have to confirm that. And so, you know, that's the thing to watch with Herbert going forward. Does he start seeing stuff like that and then making the right reads as a result? It, it's a developmental thing. I don't think it's like a, well, we've got the book on him. It's a, rookie quarterback, making rookie mistakes. Now does he adjust to it?
0: Because I'll say it again. This is a guy who came into the league and, you know, said, you can't play man against me and you can't pressure me or I'll kill you. So very interesting that he was able to do that in his first season. Usually it takes you a few years to dictate. I'm not saying I, I still, Herbert is my second biggest L as a draft analyst outside of Aaron Curry. And I will own that for the rest of my life, but it's just a thing to watch.
1: Right, and when we started this pod a couple weeks ago, we talked about Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, same kind of prototype-type quarterback. What's kind of been the thing with Allen this year? He's going to carve you up against man, so now you have to run zone against him and make him think a little bit. Now he's starting to carve up zone, We saw what he did to the 49ers um, on Monday night. You know, it's the same thing with Herbert. Teams are now running more zone against him. He's going to have to figure that out. And what he does, he'll still be where he was when he was carving up man. Yep.
0: Uh, The Washington football team... Come off uh, sending the Steelers to the uh, off, off the realms of the undefeated at 49ers. Talked about the 49ers. Uh, just a general note this Washington team has won three straight. They're five and seven. They're the only NFC East team with a positive point differential plus four. Cowboys, by the way, are minus 125. Uh, this could be a tough out for the 49ers. Especially that that defense, is like, God, that front. Oof,
1: That's a front. And look, I've as-
0: Nick Moles against pressure
1: because it's kind of. It's not good. And as somebody here in the D.M.V. in the D.C. area, a couple of weeks ago, I went on D.C. radio, and the first question was, was "Is Chase on a bad pick? Is he a bust?" And that's like, a that well, was a couple of weeks ago, like the hot topic around here when people saw Tua and Herbert having these great games, and I kept telling people. You're gonna win with this defensive front. And Chase Young is huge, and people are like, "Well, he doesn't have sacks." Like the guys around him do because of Chase Young. Mm-hmm. And we've seen what Chase Young and this defensive front can do to opposing quarterbacks, can do to opposing offenses. They are destroying worlds right now. I look, this team could win this division. Now they're hamstrung by the fact they lost both of their games to the Giants, so they're Any gonna. Giants so,
0: overall are a better team.
1: Yeah, but this defensive front could carry them to a division title.
0: Yeah. Yep, let's see which seed they are now. They are in the National Football Conference, the 12th seed.
1: Yeah. But if they win this week and the Giants lose this week, they're the four. Yeah. They slide into the NFC East title.
0: Uh, so, speaking of the Steelers, uh, a lot of concerns about, you know, I wrote a piece this week about, now that the Steelers have lost their first game of the season, what are the other concerns? Uh, the run game—they're getting Connor and Pouncey back. Uh, I was talking to intrepid editor Neil Kulong, uh, who's obviously a Pittsburgh guy and focused on the Steelers. So they get Pouncey and Connor back, might help the run game. It can't get much worse. Deontay right. Johnson has the most targets since week 10 with 51. He also has the most drops since week 10 with six. Steelers so dropped 31 passes a season, by far the most in the NFL. Spackled offensive line, and then you get into the, like you know young receivers. Everyone's trying to get on the same page. Roethlisberger was out last year; COVID preseason prevents them from doing a lot of what they want, which is motion. I mean, you hire Matt Canada, you want to run motion, But they can't do it. Very little no huddle, even though Ben has four touchdowns and no picks in no huddle. The no, speed no huddle article. Roethlisberger is one of the few quarterbacks, you know, one of the quarterbacks where you should run it more. Except they kind of can't. And if you watch Zach Taylor's offense with Joe Burrow back when Joe Burrow was healthy, it was empty quick game. And it's like Zach Taylor all of a sudden is running the Steelers offense, which is three-step, get it out. Uh, PFF number last week, Ben in the pocket 2.18 seconds before the throw. That is the quickest pass game in the NFL. This is not what they want to do.
1: No, it, it, it's not. None of it um,
0: is what they want to do. None of these things are what they wanted to do.
1: No. Um, and, and you've also got two other issues, which are drops and poor throws. I yeah. um, You add all this stuff together. It's an offensive struggle right now. You almost wonder if Tomlin saw this coming. You saw the game against the Ravens where they weren't great, he tried to light a fire under his team. Then they run into that Washington defense and that Washington defensive front. Um, they've got some issues. Now, when a team loses, falls from the unbeaten rank, sometimes it gives them a chance to sort things out. You know, a, a Patriot- I mean, wait,
0: 2007 Patriots, I'll make two points about the 07 Patriots. It would have been much better for them if they had lost that game to the Giants in week 17. Yes. And it's funny how one little thing can just, you go from no losses to yikes and your Patriots guys, so you remember this uh, week 11, I believe they lost Roosevelt Colvin for the year. And, I just, as I was watching their defense for the rest of the year, Colvin was such a glue guy and he wasn't a guy you'd talk about. Didn't have like spectacular numbers, but you know, Belichick always has a glue guy in defense and Colvin was that guy. Correspondingly Bob greasy, you know, breaks his leg in, in 1972, they bring in Earl moral and they still go undefeated. But with the Steelers, it's not just one thing. And it's not just one guy. If they don't have that defense going the way it's going and you know, the, they're going to scheme around Bud Dupree. I think they'll be okay there. The secondary is playing much better. That could save them. But this is not a team where I'm going, okay, they're 11 and 1. They're going to wind up 14 and 2. They don't look like a 14 and 2 team.
1: No, they don't look like a 14 and 2 team right now. Um, I think there are some Roethlisberger concerns, as we've talked about on this show. Huge. Um, the run game's an issue. Connor and Bouncing being back will help. Um, you're going up against the Bills' and starting to figure it out. Yep. That. Good,
0: White, they're starting to figure out that Jordavius White is healthy, which
1: yeah, I mean, yeah, that's probably the better way to put it. Oh, they did give up some place to Nick Mullins and the 49ers. And so I think well, no.
0: you got Levi Wallace, who is a problem. Yeah. Um, nice kid. I you know, he's had his moments and they want him to be that big aggressive press guy. But the problem, it's like for every Richard Sherman, there are 50 big, tall, skinny guys who just sort of run around and don't know what the hell they're doing. And I'm not really sure which one he's going to be
1: yet. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm I, very curious to see Allen. Um, and I know there's been a lot of talk. Um, Aaron Schatz has talked about in the past couple of days about how Allen's going to now be the guy that people will point to when they talk themselves into being able to develop a quarterback. Like, look, the Bills did it with Josh Allen. I, I think Allen might be a little bit of a different beast because – and I was talking about this with Seth Kalita yesterday – Um, the arm strength gives him a crutch that other quarterbacks don't have. You know, because when you talk about the difference, say Jared Goff with the 1.5 versus the 1.8, Allen can use that 1.8, but the pass will get there at the same time as if Joe Burrow released it at 1.5 because of the arm talent. And so that expands his decision-making window artificially it gives him more time to make reads and throws. And when you can put the ball, like that dig route of a dagger concept he threw over Fred Warner's head, Just a ridiculous throw. Just a and ridiculous throw.
0: He was able to make throws, accurate timing throws, 30 or 40 yards downfield with absolutely not, I'm not saying his footwork is a problem, but he can be like, uh, you know, this is your first dance lesson ever, and this is your footwork, and he'll still make that throw. So, yeah. And that's not necessarily a great thing. Uh, You know, Jameis Winston had it in a bad way. Jay Cutler had it. Some quarterbacks, they just, I can get it in there. And Brian Dable and the Bills coaching staff, I think, have done a really good job in bringing Josh Allen along mechanically and intellectually while still respecting the YOLO gene, which is a good way to do it.
1: Yeah, I think that's ideal.
0: Uh yeah, Ravens at Browns. Mayfield against the Titans. We talked about the you know the the multi-tiered stuff that Stefanski's doing. Four first half touchdowns were obviously impressive, but I want to focus on the two-yard touchdown to Jarvis Landry, which I believe was his first of the day. And I think you wrote about this, or you put it in a video. Landry motion to a reduced split pre-snap, fake the outside to the inside and beat the guy one on one. But the crucial part of that play was Mayfield's ability to look tight in safety Kevin Bayard off to the wrong side. He looked Bayard off to Bayard's left yep. so that the crosser came open. And that's the kind of that's the Baker Mayfield you see enough to think that maybe he can get there full time. And then you think to yourself, well, this is, you know. Kirk Cousins' part due, and you just kind of don't know what you're going to get.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think if you're a Browns fan, this is the game you're hoping to see. Yep. You know, the statement game, the statement when the statement performance, and all of that. Um, but you got to follow that up. You know, it's, it's great if you go out and do beat Tennessee and you show this stuff from Mayfield, with the look and buy it off like he, she broke down. But then if you lay an egg against a team that you laid an egg against back in week one.
0: And he that was one of his frantic games. He was not seeing yeah. as well. He was out of
1: sorts. He was not comfortable. He was frantic and frenetic like you put in the show notes. If we see that Baker again, we're back where we were last week when we talked about they face an interesting decision about that fifth-year option. We're back. Now,
0: if we don't see that Baker, they're 10-3. and 3. And then the then, viewers are going, uh, objects in the mirror are larger than they appear. And Week 17 game against Pittsburgh, if they if they win against the Ravens, they've got the Giants and the Jets between the Ravens and the Steelers. Yeah. And if the Steelers drop a couple, which I think they very easily could, um, I don't like Mayfield's chances against the Giants. If I were Stefanski, I'd run the ball 50 times in that game. Um, this is not a fluke.
1: No, it's not. They're, it's interesting. They're for real – they have a problem with the third level of their defense. But Andrew
0: they're. Selberg, you know. Redwine and Carl Joseph are the main. They don't have a free safety on their. T- Greg Cosell has been saying this for weeks. And, you know, he was kind of the first one I heard pointed out. And then you watch him. And it's not that these guys are bad players. It's just that uh, Carl Joseph, I think, was a first-round pick. Yeah. we let about as one. Cedric has been in the league for years. They're just not free safeties. And you can win that way, but it's really tough.
1: Yeah, you can
0: win without a quarterback. You can win without a shutdown corner. You can win without a left tackle. Winning without a legitimate deep safety might be as hard as any of those things.
1: Yeah, because what do you, what happens when you run single high and you've got three guys that are best as strong safeties? One of them has to fill that role. I mean, it's not good.
0: Week one, Lamar against this defense, 20 of 25 for 275 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Greg Roman used a ton of pre-snap motion and play action to create steamed openings for Lamar, which you can do against that defense, and you'd like to see a little more of. I think their offense – well, we've discussed it. Their offense has become a lot more static in the passing game, and that's chicken or the egg. Is Greg Roman just, like, you know, supposedly – regressing to greg roman year whatever level or is it that you know Lamar saying it's too predictable and roman might be thinking well yeah it's too predictable half the time i don't know what the hell you're trying to accomplish
1: right.
0: um and i i don't look at lamar's throws against the cowboys as an indicator of anything because i think on one of them the guy was wide ass open i think the other was a nice sort of backside fade but the you know the the cornerback was doing what dallas cornerbacks do he was you know in a different part of the he was lost in the supermarket um to quote the clash so we'll see but that's that's a similar lamar should be able to take advantage of that because the deep stuff they just don't have that guy
1: no they they, they, they don't right now um i
0: don't know if you play invert to try and you know go against that i, I don't know what you do
1: i mean maybe um
0: I know every, every tape guy on twitter right now including us is like inverted no
1: yeah, we all hate inverted, but when you don't have strong safeties, you have strong safeties that can't play deep half safety roles, invert those guys down into hook curl zones, ask yeah. your corners to do it. I, it might be an answer.
0: I mean, Denzel Ward is a top-ten cornerback. I don't know. Yeah. You got do that. We'll see. Uh, not that I – you know, I don't – I don't want to say that they're hiding Lamar as a passer – I think they would prefer that he throw the ball 25 times a game maybe to run it 10. Yeah. So it's not like if if Aaron Rodgers has that no, those numbers, yeah, they're hiding Aaron Rodgers. This is more a philosophical thing where this is what they want Lamar to be. Um and uh, you know, covid issues, preparation, you know, I I don't know what to say about the Ravens offense right now because there's just been so many things in the way. But I think overall um i would I, I i guess i would like to f- see greg roman and you could also run the ball against the browns too so maybe that's what this becomes maybe it's just you know it's cleveland's running game against baltimore's running game and all us guys who like that will will have fun but if you have to depend on lamar to score points which against baker mayfield you might um i think he's developed a lot since that week one game. And Stefanski has worked with him very well. Oh, I
1: think Stefanski's developed a lot too. Oh
0: boy. He's, uh, we were talking last week about, you know, it's kind of Kyle Shanahan and Matt LaFleur and everyone else were elevating LaFleur. I don't you know, question at all. Stefanski is a top five offensive play caller in the NFL. I mean, there's any no question about that. Yeah. No. And yeah. So, Browns uh, could be interesting. I don't, I don't, you know, there's so much you wanted like, be pretty you know predict things about the ravens i just don't know where they are right now they are well i can tell you what the record is they are seven and five and they're the ninth seed behind the they have to jump the raiders and the colts to get in there yeah eight and four miami dolphins are the sixth seed. that's just so cool brian yeah, ford is coach yeah. of the year
1: yeah he's gotta be
0: gotta be. All right, man. Uh, great stuff as always. I think we went over, but just a whole bunch of stuff to cover. So, good
1: week. It's a good week.
0: Yeah. I'm going to process this audio for the next 45 minutes and um, we'll go from there.
1: Sounds good, buddy.
0: All right, man. We'll talk next week.
1: Sounds good.